0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: God had the whole plan for Saul's life. The day he got saved, God said, I know exactly what he's gonna do, where he's gonna go, how it's gonna be used, and he's gonna go through some stuff. Whole plan for his life, boom. You know that God's got that same thing for you? He's got it all figured out. We down here, we don't see it all, you know, we don't. we see bits and pieces. God's like, I got the whole thing. Son, daughter, I got your whole life right here. If you just walk with me and look at me, I know exactly what's coming. I know how to prepare you. I know what'll happen tomorrow. I know what's happening every step of the way, every day. It's why we need to seek the Lord daily.
0: Have you ever wondered what the future holds for you? We all want to know how our lives will work out, yet we can never predict what will happen to us. But did you know that someone does, in fact, know every detail about you? Pastor Bill talks in today's message about how God has a purpose for your life. God has complete knowledge of your history, present, and future, and He knows what is best for your life. All you need to do is trust Him and follow His direction and surrender all your concerns unto Him. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 16. As he begins his message, God looks at our hearts.
1: We're going to be in... 1 Samuel chapter 16. So you guys will open up to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Uh, We get introduced to King David. We've talked about him already. So he's been kind of suggested. We'll get kind of a a break from Saul and all that we've been hearing about him. We'll get to look at David and the theme or the goal of what we're going to look at. One thing I think that we'll learn in this chapter is how God chooses. And so God's The way God chooses is different than how men choose. So we want to pay attention. Amen. Amen. We want to learn from the Lord. So whenever whatever chapter, whatever part of the Bible you're studying, we're always learning something about God. And uh, he does all things well. You know, we're um, as people, we're limited. When I make a decision, I got to just look at what I can see with my eyes. And that's all I got. Unless I do what? Unless I pray. Then I can tap in to God who sees everything And so that title of the chapter, The Message, God Looks at Our Hearts. And um, I think there's a lot that we'll be able to take away from the lesson in 1 Samuel 16. So I was kind of excited to come off of Saul. Saul Saul's kind of a bummer for me. So I'm, I'm good to just get a break from him. And now we get to look at, as we look at the guy that the people chose, Saul was the people's choice. Tonight, we're going to see the guy that God chose. And why God chose him, what was unique about him, what was special about him, what we can learn from it, all of that. So let's look at first Samuel, chapter 16, verse one. It says, now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And so here we learn uh, about Samuel. We saw Samuel was really grieved about King Saul. He had a real heart for Saul, even though Saul didn't obey the Lord, even though Saul was a letdown, you know, Samuel prayed for him all night, you know, just all night long he prayed. There was a, you don't pray all night for something you don't care about. Amen. If you pray all night, your heart's engaged. You care. You're invested. Samuel prayed all night for Saul. And now that God has finally said, hey, I'm done with him. He's out of here. It says that Saul was mourning. He was bummed out. He was mourning over. So and I just want to give Samuel credit. You know, I struggle with the, in my life. I struggle with um, and I guess this has been the way I've been my whole life. When I cut people off, I just go Foom, over and I just move on. And I've had to learn as a Christian that I can't do that. Now, as a, as a non-believer, that was just a defense mechanism. Cut. Nope. No, no, you you've just been recategorized as an outsider. You know, now I get to treat you different. I get born again and God's like, no, there's still, you know, I still want you to have a tender heart. I want you to I want you to keep a soft space. I want you to, you know, double back to those people and, and tap in and check on them and pray for them. And it's better for your heart. And so uh, Samuel just seems to me to be a man with a, a real tender heart. And so he mourned for Saul. But God finally says, hey, man, how long you gonna mourn, man? Get up. Get on up. It's over with. I'm I'm done with him. I've I've seen I've rejected him. Fill your horn with. oil. I'm going to sing you where you're going to go and find who the next king is. I wrote this down in my notes and I'm going to just say it to you guys. Are you mourning over a decision God has made and you need to get going again? Sometimes we can be mourning over something God has said. That's it. Right. I made my decision. Maybe we wanted someone to be healed and God, they're gone. Maybe we wanted a relationship to be spared and it's, it's severed. Maybe we wanted something to work out different and it's done. Maybe we wanted God to open a door and God shut it. Sometimes, you know, believers, we sit there and mourn and bemoan what God has said. It's done, sweetheart, son, it's over. You know, get get moving again because that's not the end of your story. And so if that be a word for anyone here, if there's something that God has, I've spoken on that already. I've already given the conclusion on that Stop mourning over it. Stop grieving over it. Get moving again. Uh, We do have to get going again. God doesn't want us stuck in a perpetual state. What happened was sad. It was right to mourn, but God says, hey, time, time for mourning is over, brother. It's time to get going again. And so understand that. Even with us, there are gonna be things that happen in our lives that are, it is okay to mourn, but don't get stuck there. Don't get stuck there. Some people have had a loved one die, and it's right to mourn. But don't be stuck there for 20 years and never get going again and never get back going with the Lord. Some people get stuck right there. Never get moving again. Don't get stuck there. Get back going with the Lord. Mourn and then get back going. So God tells Samuel, get up, stop mourning. I've rejected him. Fill your horn with oil. I'm sending you down to Jesse the Bethlehemite. Now, this kind of crosses over with another story. Right. Um, Where did Jesse the Bethlehemite come from? Anybody know? It was another Bible story where Smooth brother got on. All right. Boaz and Ruth. So uh, Boaz and Ruth, they became the parents of Oded, who became the father of Jesse. So uh, in the area of Bethlehem, right, when Ruth left uh, Moab, went back to Bethlehem, Judah, house of bread, place of praise, founder a dude. Um, there's a whole nother story there. I, it's, it's rich and full. But um, I just wanted to throw that out there. You know, you, you look at that story over there. You know, a you know, woman who comes back home and is committed to the Lord and taking care of her mother-in-law. And, and I, all, out of that beautiful story of redemption comes the seed of David. The Lord. I mean, was, I mean, it wasn't just God put them together, but he He put them together with purpose. Right. And I I love that that God put them together. And and this is a beautiful love story. But we're over here looking at this. David is the son of Jesse, who's the son of Oded, who came from Boaz and Ruth. So praise the Lord for hooking that up. Amen. All right. So we, we carry on now. So verse two. He's sending them down to that area. Verse two, it says, and Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. So interesting here. Samuel says, look, if Saul finds out that I'm anointing another man king, he's going to look at that as treason and kill me. That's what Samuel's are. And he's not wrong. Uh, It would look like treason for Saul is still seeing himself as the king, even though God done told him. Brother, you're not the king. I've chosen someone better than you. God told him. Um, But, you know, as far as Saul is concerned, as far as the people can see, I'm still the guy. And so it would have been seen that way. And so Samuel said, "Hey, hey, I got an objection. And I want you guys to think about this. When God calls us to do a difficult thing, I want you to know that God has thought through all the things. Right. Right. Now. Samuel's not informing God. God didn't say, oh, you know what? (laughs) Man, thank you. Glad you let me know that. You almost got killed there. This isn't a shock to God, even though God's going to give him the instructions. Kind of like when Ananias in the book of Acts in Ananias chapter nine, when Saul was having his encounter with the Lord and he was blinded. And God came to Ananias, who was a disciple in a vision and said, I want you to go pray for Saul. And he's going to receive his sight and he's going to receive the Holy Spirit and some other things. And Ananias, this is is in Acts 9 verses 10 through 16. He says, Lord, I paraphrase, Lord, I I don't know if you know this. This brother's really troubled the church. I mean, he's the bad, bad dude. He's been he's been wrecking havoc on the church as he's just informing the Lord. Like, you really want me to go pray for him? You know, and God tells Ananias, as a matter of fact, I know all that. He says he's a chosen vessel of mine. And I I'll never forget this guy. I'm going to show him. I'm, I'm going to show him how much things he must suffer for my name's sake. And he's going to preach the gospel before kings and and all the different people that he was going to preach. And, and everything God said in that moment happened. Here's the amazing thing. God had the whole plan for Saul's life. The day he got saved, God said, I know exactly what he's going to do, where he's going to go, how it's going to be used. And he's going to go through some stuff, whole plan for his life. Boom. You know that God's got that same thing for you. Yeah. He's got it all figured out. We down here, we don't see it all, you know, we, don't, we see bits and pieces. God's like, I got the whole thing, son, daughter. I got your whole life right here. If you just walk with me and look at me. I know exactly what's coming. I know how to prepare you. I know what'll happen tomorrow. I know what's happening every step of the way, every day. It's why we need to seek the Lord daily, right? Because stuff's not random. Stuff that feels random to us, is not random to God. God knew it was coming a month ago, a year ago, before you even got here. And so if we would seek him, I wonder how how much... How much better prepared we'd be for the the things of life if we seek the Lord daily. Uh, He knew all that was coming for Saul. And and it wasn't Ananias wasn't informing God of anything he didn't know. And so back to our story here. God says, this is what you're going to do. Take an animal with you. This is not a lie. You know, God, this is you know, you're going to go sacrifice an animal. So that's that's what you're going to do. You're going to see that with David. This is a private anointing. Uh, David won't function as king for many years from now. But God is letting him know this anointing. He's going to he's going to know his brothers are going to know. And his dad is going to know that God has selected him. But no one else is going to know. I want you to think about how difficult that would be for God to say, I'm a, you're the next king of Israel. And you're like, cool. And nothing changes the next day. You know, you still got to go out and watch the sheep. You know, the, your older brother is still treating you like the chump. I mean, you don't get a crown. You don't get a cool outfit. You don't get a, a job or a role. Just, you know, I just I'm, I'm the guy and no other outward evidence that that anything has changed. Um, That's essentially what we're going to read about and it's going to happen to David today. So look at now verse 3. It says, then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you must do. You shall anoint for me the one I name to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said And said, do you come peaceably? I thought this was interesting. Two things. One, that God gives these step, these directions, like one step at a time. He says, you go down there, then I'll show you. Now, God could have told Samuel, hey, look, go there. He's going to bring out all of his sons. He's going to leave one out. The little ruddy dude, out to go get that one. That's the one I want. He could have gave him all that up front. But God says, go there first and I'll show you when you get there, which one you shall choose. Why does God do stuff like that? Why doesn't God just give him all the information up front? Because there's a lesson that God's going to teach. And sometimes God uses scenarios in order to, he has our attention. Now I'm here and I'm looking and I'm trying to figure out how do I pick the one that's there? And God is going to teach Samuel something. He's going to say something to Samuel that's going to minister to us and help us understand how God chooses. So God set this whole thing up. And I want you to note this, right? If God gives you one step and says that step two will be, will happen when you do step one. If you're not an obedient disciple, you might just the, the reason why you might be missing some pieces is because you haven't followed the last step. If the last thing God said, dude, you haven't done. And, you know, you get step two when you get to step one's destination. Then God's like, yeah, hey, you out there wondering what you're going to do. You had to meandering and walking in circles because you haven't done the last thing I said, do. go do that thing. And then then look up for the next step. And so God often does that. Give you one step at a time. And step two is predicated on your obedience to step one. So if you've been disobedient to step one for five years, that's why you've been stuck. That's why it's not happening. That's why it's just seemed like the people in the desert going in circles because they were supposed to go into the promised land and they didn't go. Um, Now, here's another lesson we're going to learn because they didn't go when they were supposed to go. Then they couldn't go. Right. And we're going to see now with, with Saul, because he wouldn't obey the spirit. He's going to have a relationship now with God where he can't The spirit's going to be departing from him in this chapter. And so moving on, look at verse five now. Uh, So the people, when they heard Samuel was coming, they said they trembled. Uh, It's a big deal. If Samuel comes to town, it's like, well, 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 this is the man of God. Um, Are we in trouble? I want you to understand the fear of God and how he was revered, that it was not a small thing for Samuel to show up. They wanted to know, man, is this good or bad? Please give us that much. But, you know, it's God. It's, are we are we is favor or are we, getting in, we in trouble with the Lord? Which one is it? Uh, it lets you know how the people might have been living at the time, because um, if you know you were doing right, you wouldn't you wouldn't be worried. But they trembled when they heard Samuel was coming down. Thankful for them or lucky for them. God had some other business to attend to at this time. And so he says uh, they asked him, did he come peaceably? Verse five. And he said, peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that they took Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. I'm sorry. He looked at Eliab. So Samuel gets to Jesse's house and the first son, the eldest son comes out. And Samuel sees Eliab and says, that's got to be him. That's, surely that's the next king of Israel. Now, we don't know what he saw, right? We just know this is the eldest. Maybe Eliab was tall. Maybe he looked strong. Maybe he looked like whatever, you know. Something he saw said, that look, he, looks like, he looks like a king. Well, what does a king look like, right? Have you ever heard somebody tell somebody, hey, man, you look man, you, look, you, look like you can be, be a preacher. You look like a preacher. What does a preacher look like? Is there an external, you know, thing that makes a man a preacher? No, it's, it's, it's a heart thing that makes a person a, a spokesman for the Lord. And so, but when Samuel saw Eliab, he says, surely this is the guy. Whatever he saw, he said this, surely the, Lord, the Lord's anointed is before him. This lets us know something, that as human beings, we do make judgments with what we see. Everybody agree to that? Amen. Now, sometimes we make good judgments, right? So, I mean, I, I'm pretty discerning, I think. I can discern a a bad situation sometimes, a peaceful situation or whatever, but you make judgments with, if I'm looking at a group of guys coming, I'm looking and I'll make a quick assessment of what I'm looking at and I'll make a judgment based on what I see and what I I know. Um, That's human nature. Is that bad? Is it bad? Uh, Okay. Here's the thing. It's not necessarily bad. It would be bad if we if we only tapped into that. Because how many of us have ever made a wrong judgment? I have too. Right? I made right judgments, but I've also judged wrongly. I've also seen things and thought, oh, that, that looked nah, oh, that was that's not what I not what I thought it was. Judge wrong. So we don't want to lean heavy on us. We have that. It's there, right? Don't throw it away. Might help you out sometimes. But we want to tap into something far greater. And Samuel looks and maybe from what he could see, this looks like apparently this is the guy. But look at what the Lord says in verse seven. This is really the key verse in the chapter, though there's a lot more God's going to say. But in verse seven, it says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but what? Lord looks at the hearts. So Samuel gets a lesson from the Lord here. This is a good thing. God says, Sam, you saw him? That's not the guy I picked. That's not him. And God says, look, stop looking. at You're looking at his physical. So it must have been his physical appearance. It must have looked very kingly. He must have been a you know, tall, good looking, strong, stout, whatever. But God says, look, don't look at his outward appearance and don't look at his physical stature because I have rejected him. The Lord does not see as man sees for the Lord looks at the hearts. And so we can praise God for this. Right. God is saying, look, I don't I don't need a big, strong man to be the king. I don't need you to be tall. You, when you guys did the people's choice, y'all picked Saul head and shoulders above. Her. I mean, everything on paper said this was the guy that was on paper. Saul was your guy. He was, but, you know, Saul didn't have he didn't have no heart didn't have a heart for the Lord, didn't have a heart for battle, didn't have a courageous heart. His son arguably is more courageous than he is. And so though he physically was apparently he looked like he could fit the bill, heart wasn't right. And we all know people who their hearts are just not, you know, they got gifts and abilities and all these things, but their heart, heart just not sold out. God says, man, I'm looking for hearts. I'm looking, I'm looking at the heart. One of my favorite verses in all my Bibles, I write eyeballs on the top of this chapter, 2 Chronicles 16, 9. It says, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. It's as though God is just scanning earth looking for loyal hearts and looking for a heart that's sold out to me. It wouldn't matter what body that heart is in. That heart could be in a broken body, a small body, a big body, a skinny body, a fat body, a tall body, a short body. But a heart that's sold out to the Lord. That's God. That's what I'm looking for. I think as the people of God, we've got to we've got to seek to see as God sees the world can be so judgmental. And there are people that the world has beat down. Think about this. Right. There are there are certain things that somebody can never be. When you think of physical things, right, someone can never, a short guy can never be tall. A skinny, I mean, I guess i guess a skinny person could, maybe could get fat, you know, I don't know. But there are certain things that you can't fix, you can't change, you know. Some people are just small frame, they're never going to be big and, you know, bodacious or whatever, or buff or tall. They're just, they just are what they are. A fair-skinned person is not going to be dark-skinned. Somebody that's very attractive or someone that's not, there's some things you just can't fix and the world will judge about those things, And God is saying, but I'm I'm looking at something so different. I'm looking at the hearts of individuals. Where's your heart at? I want to be careful. As I read a chapter like this, I want to be careful that I'm not someone that's so caught up on externals and not paying attention to what matters to God in my own life and in the lives of other people. And so when we look at raising up people or raising up leaders, you know, I think that the starting point is a heart, a heart for the Lord. I'd rather take five people that hearts are sold out to God than 50 talented uber gifted people whose hearts are halfway with the Lord. Um, You'll get a whole lot further with five people that are genuinely devoted to the Lord. And there'll be a whole lot more unity among the five, you know. So God says, look, I don't look like man looks. I look at the hearts. I'm going to throw this out there for my single friends. This is why, you know, let's say God brings you someone of interest. You meet someone. You're like, wow, that's a nice. I think maybe. I don't know. From what I can see, everything looks like it, it lines up. They check all the boxes, everything, you know, tall, dark and handsome, You know, whatever the, the stuff is. Why you need to pray before you this. and Hear me. Hear me on this. Why you need to pray and hear from God before you give your heart away. Before you get emotionally attached or connected, before you before you really get given over to it. You want to hear from God because God, your father, can see what you can't see. One, God knows if that's what he wants for you or not. Easy. God, is that what you have for me or not? Is this your will for me or not? Um, God can answer that. God, I promise you guys, I'll tell you guys this. When, and I can I, can I talk about you for a minute? Baby? All right. Thank you very much. When when we were just friends, right? When, and I, I say just friends because we was, we were not really just friends. She was, she was digging me and I was, you know, we talked every day, we hung out every day. But it was early in the relationship, right? I definitely saw in her, like I would marry her. I didn't tell her that because she would have ran right then if I'd have said it early on. But I was like, I'm a really, she wasn't, she kept playing me like. I'm going to see how well, you, you know, you keep going with the Lord. She kept acting like I might fall away and like I wasn't going to stay saved or whatever. So I, I resent that now, you know. But anyway, this is what I did. I remember this. I remember saying I, I liked her so much. I said, God, I have dogged out plenty of people in the past and just living crazy, living wild. I actually really like her. If that's who I'm supposed to be with, I ask God, would you make it clear so that I could just abandon every other thought and just that'll be it. And if not, make it clear so that I can leave right now. I don't think she'll be bothered, you know, but I, I pray that God would do that. And this is in that very week. This happened. I'll never forget it. It was actually a Wednesday night. Uh, we went to church. I went to we went, we, you know, met her at church and got to church. Our, our pastor taught out of the old King James, which I can't stand. I don't think these and and all that. I, I just don't I don't do it well. And so we had this Bible that we would do devotions in that was a living Bible. That you know, spoke like, you know, Bible for babies. That was what I needed at the time. I was a baby Christian. She came that night and she had a little manila envelope. And it was uh, she, she had, I got something for you. And she gave this to me, and I opened it up, and it was uh it was a Bible, and it was a parallel Bible. Half of it had the old King James, so I could follow along with the pastor at church. The other half had the living translation so I could read and understand what I was reading. And I was like, "That she don't know this," but I was like, "All right, guys, my answer. You, this woman is trying to help me grow further." She had a little note in the front of it, and I was like, "Done." That's that's that was for me. That was the last. I never asked again. I was like, "All right, I'm just gonna hang out until she understands that she's supposed to be my wife." But I'll I'll always be able to look back. Right? I'll never say, "God, I'm not sure if that's what I'm supposed to be with." Now I know for sure because I asked way back then, and I heard. Then I went all in. Then it was like now. I'm going to go talk to your daddy and everything else, and then we're going to make it happen. But it's really important that we pray and just say, God, direct me.
0: You've just heard A Transforming Word, brought to you by Pastor Bill Buffington. First Samuel is where we've been reading, and there's so much to take away from this book. Did you realize that many of the Psalms were written during the time that these events were happening? For much of this book, David was running from Saul. Wouldn't it be strange to be an arch-enemy of your best friend's dad? Even though you didn't do anything deserving of death, you feel like a fugitive. And somehow, you found yourself in this situation where you're running for your life. This was much of David's existence in the book of 1 Samuel. He was doing great things, but King Saul was jealous of him and felt threatened by him. So he wanted to remove David completely from the upcoming kingship of Israel. Do you feel like you're on the run, undeserving of the circumstances you're in? Or are you on the other side, feeling jealous and insecure about another person, looking for their downfall? In either case, these two men needed God's help. One chose to rely on God and the other turned away. Which direction will you choose? If you like the message you just heard, we're so glad. You'll find more solid teachings like this one from Pastor Bill Buffington at CalvaryInglewood.org. Will you prayerfully consider spreading the good news with us? If this interests you, you can find the Give tab on our website. Don't forget, that's Calvaryinglewood.org. This ministry is an outpouring of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Thanks for listening today to A Transforming Word.